To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody, welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, still doing the show from isolation in my top secret underground bunker. I mean, my top secret studio filled with mosquitoes here in Long Beach, California. And with me is the great Dr. Carl Totten. Hello, all. Welcome back. So on today's show, we've got some listener mail uh, talking about emotions. We're going to talk about emotions. We've got a chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Um, so yeah, that's what we're up to on this show. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do something rare that we don't normally do, and that's talk about Taoism. Uh, there was somebody on on Twitter that uh, said recently he was like, "So, do you think you're gonna talk about Taoism on this show?" I said, "I think I think we might. I think we might get to it." I think you're in luck. Yeah. <laughs> so a listener writes in and says, "I love your show. Taoism is a subject I've been peripherally interested." Oh, excuse me. Peripherally interested in for a couple decades, I look forward to each episode. You bring so much to the podcast, including my burps. <laughs> it's all part I, of the Dow. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, I'm not sure if you've covered it, but my question is about anger. I was raised Catholic, and I've been practicing Buddhism for years. Both religions have strict ideas about anger. The Christians say to turn the other cheek. The Buddhists said to... A, eradicate anger, which is a delusion. I've followed these ideas with poor results. My self-esteem has taken a beating when I've not stood up for myself, and my relationships have withered when I didn't express my anger when provoked. I'm learning how to ask the Tao what I should do with my anger, how to allow its natural expression without feeling like a bad person or guilty. I don't know. I don't know. I think that the fact that he's a Catholic, regardless. So just roll with it, baby. No. Can Go with you, the flow. <laughs> yeah. Can you offer thoughts on how Taoism suggests we deal with anger? Thank you for your great work. Sincerely, Julian. Hmm. Well, you know, I told him, you know, thank you for listening to the show. And, of course, he's asked a very pertinent question for our times. <laughs> you know, the anger seems to be flying all over the place these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and by the way, as a psychologist, I know that internalized anger and frustration tends to begin to feel like depression and irritability. Mm. And looking at uh, the world these days and you know, reading uh, what people are saying online, I think we certainly see a lot of all of that. Yes. So, you know, but there's a couple of issues I think... Um, what was his name? Julian uh, raised. Yeah. You know, one is being actually being assertive, standing up for oneself. It's always correct, I, you know, to state the truth, to assert your 
you know, your own selfhood and not allow others to, to take advantage of one. This, however, does not require the extra baggage of anger or some other emotional charge. Mm. Uh, the other issue, of course, is anger itself. You know, there are a variety of human emotions which appear to be natural since we all seem to have had them for thousands of years. Yeah. Of course, these have also gotten us into much trouble. And many of the great philosophers, both East and West, have taught about how to balance these or transfer them or transform them or in some cases deny them or repress them or otherwise diffuse them. You know, I like what my Zen teacher does. You know, his teachings are always about being fully present every moment. So every moment as he inhales, he fully experiences reality 100%, whatever it is, because it's real. Mm -hmm. Then the next moment as he exhales, he simply lets it all go, and he's back to zero. He's back in the void, and therefore fully able to embrace whatever emerges next without holding on to anything because he's in a new present moment. You know, he's probably the most advanced being I've met in my life, what in Buddhism is called a non-returner. He's kind of in his final life in a human body on earth, which is at a very high level indeed. He uh, essentially lives in a state of unity consciousness and integrated meditation at all times. And um, that's very rare. Now, I, was, I had the pleasure of meeting Zen Master Hoon uh, yes. before, before covid and what struck me was that he kind of dismisses the idea that there's any kind of narrative to anything going on around him. You know, if you start talking about, well, this is happening and this relates to this and everything, and he just kind of like, eh, maybe it doesn't. You know, it was like this powerfully simple way of addressing a lot of things and just kind of like, not a, not a, it didn't seem like a, an idea of denial. But it seemed that he understand that humans are these people whose entire desire is to create narratives and meaning out of every little thing, and that maybe lots of it is just stuff happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was his take, and I thought that was really powerful. That was something I... I think that was the most important thing I took from the situation. And also, he had no problem trying to sugarcoat anything with anyone in the audience. <laughs> uh, he was obviously polite, you know, and not rude or mean or whatever, but he would just push back honestly, you know. He had almost like a, a childlike uh, honesty about him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and because he never holds on to anything, you know, he doesn't have to defend anything ever either. Right. <laughs> and, and, and yet he would gently point out when other people are doing that. <laughs> yes. You know, I remember once we went to see him up in his mountain cabin. And uh, as soon as we got there, and it was a beautiful, spectacular day, you know, up in the mountains and the wind and the air and the birds and the trees. It's just magnificent. And uh, someone commented, wow, what a beautiful day day this is. Oh, I just feel great. It feels just great being here. And then he, he looked at us and he said, so if it weren't a beautiful day, day you wouldn't feel great? <laughs> you know, which got us thinking, hmm, you know, mm -hmm. well, 
You know, what, what, what do we need to be okay? <laughs> what, what external circumstances need to be present for us to be okay? Because this man, it doesn't matter. He could be in the middle of a you know, earthquake, fire, burning building, and he just go, well, okay, that's, uh, you know, that, that's what's happening out there. But uh, me, inside, in my awareness, I, I am who I always am. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm me. As you always say, uh, life is an inside job. Life is an inside job. <laughs> and I think that's just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you were saying, uh, we, we, got, we got derailed a little bit by the talk by uh, Zen Master Hoon, but uh, we were talking a bit about uh, emotions and the healthy way for Julian to express and experience his anger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I think one of the things I shared with him was a um, kind of a emotional acupressure uh, way of balancing emotions that I often teach my clients. You know, you know, uh, one of my teachers was a uh, was the founder of what's known today as energy psychology. Okay. Okay. Um, Dr. Roger Callahan, who's a clinical psychologist, who was a professor and a very successful kind of cognitive behavioral and uh, hypnosis, um, behavioral hypnosis therapist, uh, you know, back in the, you know, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, early 2000s. And I actually wound up studying with him for 10 years, over 10 years. And I still study with his wife, who kind of co-developed the system with him. Most of you, I'm sure you, Todd, and uh, many, many in our audience have heard of uh, acupuncture, you know, the ancient Chinese way of healing, you know, and it's all based on energy, right? And energy, of course, is what the universe is composed of, and so is our body, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. We, We know we are a system of interconnected energetic flows, and in Chinese medicine and acupuncture, these energies which are rooted in our internal organs, you know, heart, lung, liver, spleen, kidney. You know, there's 12 organs that they uh, kind of point out. And then the energy in the body flows, right? It's Tao, its path is flowing through these pathways called meridians. Yeah. And an illness or imbalance in Chinese medicine is when the energy gets stuck. It gets stagnant. And then that often leads to impairment and disease and eventual death, you know, because then the system doesn't have the vitality it needs to survive. It's and like a stiffness is the the way of death. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like a, a like a like a door. You know, you know once the, the hinges get rotten, rotten and and stagnant, you know, it's going to fall off. You know, and that kind of happens with us, but. It also happens not only on a physical level, but on an emotional level, too. And mm-hmm. so Dr. Callahan, amazing story. He was working with a woman for like 18 months. She had a phobia. A phobia is an irrational fear. She had a phobia of all things of water. Now, she, oh, could, drink, she could drink water, for God's sake, because she wouldn't be alive. But if, if it rained or if she saw the ocean or a big body, a body of water, she'd have a panic attack. Wow. And it wasn't that as a child, you know, she had fallen in water and gotten scared. No, 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 nothing like that. It was completely irrational, which is the definition of a phobia. And so for 18 months, Dr. Callahan tried everything he knew, every trick in the book in behavioral psychology to try to fix that and to no avail. 
And so he's always looking, well, what else is out there? And so he heard about this uh, chiropractor of, uh, who was teaching uh, something called applied kinesiology, okay. uh, you know, where they do muscle testing, which yeah. is when, you know, they touch a point, uh, which is an acupuncture point, and then test your arm to see is it strong or weak. And by testing the muscle strength, they can determine whether or not the energy, the chi, is flowing to the internal organs and nourishing the body properly. And so it's very interesting, and any if if you've gone to uh, to uh, chiropractors, you know, some of them may have done that to you. Uh, I, I know my chiropractor has done that with me many many times. And uh, but so Dr. Callahan went to this weekend workshop. There was a hundred people there. He was the only psychologist. <laughs> All the rest were either physicians or chiropr mostly chiropractors. And so he learned about where the acupuncture points are and how to test for strength or weakness in the uh, organs. And he wasn't sure exactly how he was going to use this, <laughs> but it was interesting. And so the next week when his patient, her name was Mary, came in, and, she, you know, and he was practicing out of his house in Bel Air. He's a very successful mm -hmm. psychologist, by the way. <laughs> oh, if you're living in Bel Air. <laughs> That's where uh, I think the, the, uh, when the rich people of Beverly Hills become really wealthy, that's where they go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They look down on the Beverly Hills people. <laughs> and so uh, Mary came for her session, and as soon as he saw her in the morning, he, you know, he's a very uh, affable man. He says, Mary, good morning. How, how are you feeling today? And she holds her stomach. She says, oh, I've got this, this feeling in the pit of my stomach, you know, anxiety, because she's very kind of a nervous wreck half the time. Oh, jeez, yeah. You know, since water scares her. And so she's, she's, she, and so now he had just learned that weekend that stomach, hmm. In acupuncture, the pathway of the energy that leads to the stomach, the p stomach one is right underneath the eyes on the face, kind of on the cheek. That's stomach one. And then stomach two, three, four kind of goes down to the jawline. And then it goes up by the ear to the skull. And then it goes all the way down the chest and down the knee and down the shin and winds up on the, the toe, one of the toes. It's a long pathway, probably 60-some uh. points. And if you went, if you were, if you, if you had stomach problems and you went to an acupuncturist, they'd put a needle in some points or points along there in order to, you know, release the block and get your stomach to function properly. But this woman was saying she had this feeling in her stomach, and so for some reason, Dr. Callahan, he didn't know why he did this. It was just kind of a flash of insight. He said, right here under your eyes, Mary, there's a stomach point in acupuncture. Why don't you just tap on it and let's see what happens. Mm. You know, he, he can't Just put like tap on it with her finger. With a finger, lightly, not enough to hurt yourself. You know, mm. yeah, it's not martial arts. You know, just a general yeah, tap. <laughs> just a general tap. And so he said, uh, you know, let's just see what happens. And so for 10 or 15 seconds, she lightly tapped right underneath both eyes. And then she stopped and she says, oh, it's gone. And Dr. Callahan said, What's gone? <laughs> he wasn't really expecting anything. She, she said, that feeling in my stomach, it's gone. And, and then she looked outside, and he, you know, every home, by the way, in Bel Air uh, has a pool, 
right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and so she looked. She stood up and she start. She opened the door and she starts making a beeline for the swimming pool. <laughs> and now ah. Doctor Doctor Callahan has a panic attack and he jumps up. He says, "Mary, stop!" He thought, "My God, is she trying to commit suicide <laughs> or something?" She may he, not know how to swim. If she doesn't. She doesn't know how to swim. And so Mary stops and she says, "Doctor Callahan." I, I, I know I don't know how to swim. I'm not going to jump in the water. But she gets down on her hands and knees and splashes water all over her. So mm. she says, it's gone. And this woman who had had for 25 or 30 years this terrible phobia and fear of water and had panic attacks whenever she got near it, now she's splashing water all over herself. And I saw an interview with Mary once several years ago, and she said from that one day, that one treatment, her fear never returned. It wow. was banished with 15 seconds of tapping. And so uh, I read many years ago Dr. Callahan's uh, book called The Five-Minute Phobia Cure, <laughs> where okay. he talks about things like this. Well, and real, I, <laughs> real quick, Dr. Totten, next time I go out for hot wings... <laughs> if I can tap beneath the eye and help my stomach, I'm going to get the spiciest thing, and then I'm just going to whack my face beneath my eye, and then I won't have any issues at three in the morning. Right? I'll be okay? I can eat blazing wings at Buffalo Wild Wings? Uh, you, may, you may need to drink uh, lots of water, too. <laughs> yeah. Which one cures a hangover? I need to find the hangover meridian. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's some points for hangovers, too, by the way. Chinese medicine's amazing. Yeah, I studied it for, for years you know, with my teachers from China. And so uh, when I read about this years ago, I said, oh, i got to learn this. And so uh, that was the beginning of me studying, like I said, over 10 years with Dr. Callahan. And it's something I practice today in psychology with my clients. And so I sent um, um, our um, a listener uh, a list of the tapping points, you know, for this tapping therapy because some of them are really good for things like being frustrated and angry and upset and mad and in fear, uh, especially things like um, uh, trauma. And, of course, today everybody feels kind of traumatized, you know. And so I, I sent him, uh, you know, some tapping sequences where he could tap on himself at home and uh, learn how to regulate his emotional balance better so he doesn't feel and have to feel like he's consumed with anger so much all of the time. Now, this uh, you sent me this document as well. Um, I'm going to put it up on this episode, so when you go to whatsisdow.com where this episode is, you'll be able to like right-click and download it. Oh, good. Also, I, I sent you I'm on there's a link to the, uh, the, the Dr. Callahan's uh, website where you can actually see the whole thing demonstrated, and basically you can just follow along. That's the that's the really the easy way. Now, often we've talked about you've talked about how we can look at emotions, and and kind of make them pass. Like how to like when the emotion hits, there's a way that we can experience the emotion without tamping it down so that it comes up stronger uh, later. Uh, that how we can experience it by kind of distancing ourselves from it by watching it and letting it pass. Um, I read somewhere in Taoism, there's the, the sage sees the desire and watches it pass. And I've mm -hmm. used that mm -hmm. to help get over my eczema problem on my foot because I, I see the itch, I feel the itch, and I focus on it and I wait for it to kind of leave. 
mm-hmm. you know, like a bad house guest. <laughs> so I know that you've talked about practices with me that we, for us to deal with our strong emotions mm-hmm. when they come up. Uh, we, ha- we have the tapping exercise, but then there's kind of a mental way to frame the emotions, too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, what we tend to do with anything that really gets our attention, like anger or, or any other strong emotion, what do we do? We tend to do what? Focus on it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's like and it, when something that you focus on, what, in other words, you're kind of reinforcing it. And when you focus and reinforce something, what happens to that thing you're focusing on and reinforcing? Uh, it, it, it gets larger. How about that? You you blow up. (laughs) How about that? Okay. See, so that's not the way. (laughs) That that just leads to more of the same, probably. So so if you can just look at it, notice it. Don't deny it. No, no. Look at it and see what it actually is. Because, you know, especially when you talk about anger, why are people angry? Well, there's different reasons for that. You know, there's kind of righteous anger. Maybe you see an injustice happening in the world, or you see uh, someone or an animal being beaten or attacked. Uh, you know, might you feel angry, uh, you know, righteously and correctly? Probably so, mm-hmm. right? But I think a lot of the time, the anger that people feel actually comes from them feeling hurt or frustrated by something else. And because they weren't comfortable this feeling and expressing their hurt and frustration directly, they went to a stronger emotion that allowed them to feel some better sense of being empowered and strong, like anger, Mm -hmm. and then that becomes what they express. And there are people who walk around essentially feeling some form of anger and irritability all the time. Yeah. All the oh, time. Con- constantly. Yeah. It's like it's like constant inflammation, but emo- constant emotional inflammation. Exactly. And that's not healthy because that raises our stress levels and then that makes our body less able to ward off impairment and illness and microbes including viruses <laughs> which yeah. puts us in a bad st- <laughs> state of risk for things like our our dear COVID uh, these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's not healthy uh, to do that. Better if we take the psychological, philosophical attitude of, you know, whatever I'm feeling, I'm just going to observe it. I'm not going to invest in it by, uh, through attachment. I'm just going to watch it and notice where it is and also try to see where does it come from? You know, if I follow it down the rabbit hole, where does it go? Oh, there I was feeling frustrated about my attempts to get something I needed from this person. And because I wasn't getting what I needed, I felt hurt. And because I felt hurt, I felt I was weak and disempowered. And I felt like crying, and I didn't want to deal with that. Okay. See, so now that we've kind of expanded our, the, the, the dimension of our total awareness, we've learned something about ourselves. We've learned how the mechanism inside of ourselves operates. And now, hopefully, we have more options other than just anger, angry outbursts 
to deal with this situation that we find ourselves in, this life situation. You might say that we've increased our emotional intelligence, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that takes the capacity for some introspection without being attached to the negative emotions too strongly. And, you know, I I think a problem is that people get attached to these uh, negative emotions because being angry becomes part of their identity. Yes. You know, you have the person that walks around and their personality is that's the angry guy or that's the guy that's easily set off about things or that's the guy who's got an axe to grind. Yep. And uh, and then I then I think that becomes a probably a vicious cycle where you look for things to anger you because that's who you are versus deciding your identity to be somebody who's happy somebody who's happy or you know um somebody who's emotionally become attached to these things unnecessarily and like you said we look for it yeah look for it and if you look for it guess what you're going to find it (laughs) you'll find it on facebook every time you log in And, and then we have internalized triggers where Anything that is emotionally similar to what uh, uh, originally caused us to feel this way in the first place, but it's in the subconscious, so we can't really see it. Instead, we feel the emotional triggers, and then we act out, and then we become angry and irritable all the time. Now, Dr. Dr. Totten, I don't know if we've ever discussed this before, but I think I'm what they call an empath. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've heard Dr. Drew talk about this many times that he finds himself very, very sensitive to other people's emotional states. Mm-hmm. And that if I'm in a room and somebody's angry, you know, it's like when I used to work in an office and there's one guy who was always angry all the time. And he sat near me and it was like it messed up my whole state of being, being around that anger, even though it wasn't directed at me. But mm-hmm. I just knew he was kind of smoldering mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. anger. And it would like I couldn't disconnect from that. Or like mm-hmm. if my wife's angry about something, even if it doesn't have anything to do with me, mm-hmm. I'm I can't wash it off. You know, mm-hmm. I it, it gets on me kind of thing. Not that I get angry, but I just like I get very, very uncomfortable mm-hmm. with other people's anger. And I don't know that maybe some kind of past trauma I dealt with. Um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but my the, sister. The, but you know, <laughs> uh, see, you even know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, may, it may be when I was younger, being around a certain amount of anger made me very susceptible to finding it and 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 knowing where it was to to keep myself safe, in a way. But I, yeah, I don't know if other people feel this way, but I, it really, it it gets under my skin easily. It makes me very, very mm. tense and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So how do I deal with that? Uh, how do I deal with other people's anger? Well, remember, the, uh, another thing the ancient Chinese, the Taoists said, is that the universe is a sea, kind of like an ocean of qi, of energy. Right? And energy is pervasive and is interconnected, right? And, uh, of course, in uh, Taoism, you know, we talk about, you know, remember, of course, yin and yang, right? We've got yin energy, which is more relaxed and soft and cool and receptive and flowing. Then we have yang energy, which is hot and expressive and harder and denser and so on, right? It's kind of like the hard and the soft, right? Yeah. And, and so when we're feeling anger, 
Some of it is ours, but some of it is just what's in the air, so to speak, what's in the Dow, what's flowing in the country right now. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of polarization right in the, in the, in the country, in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And so how are we not going to notice that? We are going to notice that, and we're going to be triggered. Right? We're going to have a reaction to that. And so how do we handle our reaction so that we don't wind up feeling and acting out in a way that's not in our best interest, not mention the best interest of your wife, your child, you know, and anyone else you know you come in contact with? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that tapping, of course, will really help because it helps neutralize the excessive emotion and kind of restores us back to zero, back to that void space, one thing. Another thing is just knowing that we, as the Chinese say, we live in this sea, this ocean of energy, and we're all interconnected to it. And so what can you do, what can each of us do to, in the midst of, uh, remember last episode, remember we were talking about chaos, right? Jordan Peterson, right? And there's chaos around. Where do we find the balance in the midst of chaos where we can find inner peace. It's kind of like a hurricane, right? But mm-hmm. where is it calm in a hurricane? The eye, the center of the hurricane. Right. Paradox- it's paradoxical, but it's true. It's absolute peace and calm and quiet right there in that center. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to find our center. And the time-tested way of doing that in, da- in the Tao practices is meditation. That's right, yeah. Meditation, meditation. And unfortunately, growing up, meditation by our parents, I doubt it. Were we taught how to meditate in school? I doubt it. Uh, So we we, we grew up kind of not having the tool, the, the strongest possible tool to deal with this chaos and this, this upset, this imbalance that is part of the Tao, you know, but if we're going to have the chaotic part of the Tao, we need to also have the other access to the other component of the Tao as well. Mm-hmm. And then we have more of a totality. And then we can choose where we wish to abide. Do you choose to abide in anger and irritability? Or do you choose to abide someplace else? You know? Someplace else seems like uh, a lot more fun. Uh, the doctor would advise some place else <laughs> you'll, you'll be happier healthier you're gonna live a lot longer you're not gonna blow out your uh, you know your you know your heart <laughs> or your brain you know you're gonna be much less likely to have some sort of cardiovascular event you're not gonna have high blood pressure rapid heartbeat and all sorts of other things that and acid leaking in your stomach giving you ulcers and you know all sorts of other things you know yeah you know, and, and and sometimes, by the way, this upset, irritable energy in the body becomes translated into some somatic symptom. And a frequent one is skin irritation, eczema, psoriasis, by the way. <laughs> so it's my anger is, is manifesting on my foot? It could be. It has been known to happen. This is a known thing in psychology. Um, uh, it, it, one of the main symptoms 
of um, anxiety, anger, just unresolved stuff is skin irritations, stomach oh, irritations, wow. and skin irritations. And so, you know, and, you know, even acne and again, acne, psoriasis, eczema, those things are known to have a very strong emotional component. Mm. And so, um, I uh, tend to suppress my anger. Mm-hmm. I am the king of suppressing my anger. So, I, you know, th- th- I, take a look at the tapping sequences that you have there, and yeah. def- definitely go to uh, the Callahan's uh, website where they will lead you through. Uh, you know, several minutes of tapping that uh, might help you resolve that. In fact, someday, you know, yeah, you and I should set up a, a Zoom. We should do a Zoom session, and I'll just lead you through it any day. Okay, yeah. Any oh, day. yeah, yeah, definitely. That'd be, that'd be great. Because That's easy. I, I, I do this every day with my clients. This, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy, and you'll Dr. feel so much better. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, let's uh, finish up today's show. Uh, with Chapter 9 of the Tao Te Ching. And for those who are new, the Tao Te Ching is the kind of seminal book about Taoism written... What year was it written kind of around, Dr. Uh, Around 2,500 years ago. It's like, still like, relevant like, to this like day. Fifth, fifth century B.C. And I think this is Chapter... You said 979, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to read it? You want to read it? Sure. Okay. Because it's all about what we're talking about. <laughs> How about I, that? Dude, this was just luck, by the way. Uh, I know. I was just going through stuff, and I think I picked the chapter before the email. So Amazing. Bonkers, right? So, chapter 79, the Tao Te Ching. After a bitter quarrel, some resentment must remain. What can one do about it? Therefore, the sage keeps his half of the bargain, but does not exact his due. A man of virtue performs his part, but a man without virtue requires others to fulfill their obligations. The Tao of heaven is impartial. It stays with good men all the time. Hmm. You know, here, among other things, Lao Tzu is teaching us how to let go and forgive. You know, we tend to always want to be right, right? My way or the highway. My ego dominance in the superior position, you know, uh, ego. Yeah. But this only le- leads to more disharmony. Uh, you know, if you look at around the world now and throughout history, has someone yelling and screaming about how right they were, how correct they were, how their perspective was the right way and the only way? Uh, what has been the reaction to that type of uh, statement throughout all of human history? Has Usually it been, <laughs> a lot of pushback. <laughs> has it been peace and contentment? <laughs> I think not. Uh, so that leads to more disharmony. Uh, Lao Tzu is saying, you know, more progress comes from yielding. You know, if we keep our one's word and model the right thing to do, but without demanding that others do the same... You know, that's very different from our Western perspective. Lao Tzu says to be impartial, and often we will actually find that by letting go of our demands for reciprocity, we release anger and resentments and instead create the fertile ground for cooperation. This is not easy. Yeah. You know, we also learn that that by giving and feeling gratitude, we often will find that we actually have enough. 
and then we don't have to be so demanding and insistent any longer. You know, those without gratitude never have enough, no matter what. I've known some extremely wealthy individuals, I mean, up to like almost billionaires, and really only those who basically don't care about their wealth were truly happy. Mm. The others found that the wealth became a burden, and they always needed more. They were always afraid of losing it. They never trusted anyone, and they were so stressed they couldn't buy health and contentment for any amount of money. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's we did a show on gratitude a while back, which is yes. one of my favorites. Yes, we and did. Mm-hmm. One that I've really taken the lessons from uh, and tried to really, really seriously apply it. I mean, I, I, I try to apply the lessons learned here on this show uh, all the time, but that's one that particularly I think mm-hmm. has been the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Remember, a Taoist knows when they have enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and when you have enough, what should one do? Share, right? Yeah. And sharing not only feels good, it creates more goodwill, which allows all to prosper. And then when everyone has their needs met and everyone feels fulfilled and is prospering, what type of climate does that cultivate on planet Earth? Yeah. <laughs> a nice one, right? Yeah, one of mutual uh, respect <laughs> and adoration and people working together. Uh-huh. And that's one of the problems we have in the West here because we're, we kind of enshrine competition, vulture capitalism, right? <laughs> and, and so with everybody kind of, oh, you know, my way or the highway, I'm, I got to get what's mine. Uh, get rich or die trying. Get rich or die trying. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And, you know, uh, uh, has that led to peace and harmony and contentment? Has that really uh, improved things? You know, there are other cultures, particularly I'm thinking about uh, a lot of indigenous cultures and even Western cultures, particularly in places like Scandinavia, where there's a much more kind of a cooperative ethic and ethos and, um, uh, you know, the, the systems of uh, commerce and govern, govern, government is, is, governance is set up to, uh, you know, help people uh, co- cooperate and make sure everybody has what they need, whether it's in terms of education and health care and opportunity and, and so on. And um, if studies of uh, the degree of happiness in society is far higher over there than over here. But, but Dr. Carl, in those countries, it's a lot tougher to become a billionaire. And, you know, we're all in America are all <laughs> going to become billionaires at some point. So shame on you for stepping all over human potential. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everyone. Who wants to be a billionaire, right? <laughs> I, I, I just read this great article. In fact, it was on Facebook, of all places, about this man who had $8 billion that he gave away. Oh, yeah, uh, Chuck Feeney. Feeney, yeah. Wasn't that a fabulous story? Oh, yeah. You, you might have uh, read the one that I wrote on Upworthy. But, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I wrote a whole piece on it the other day. Mm. Uh, yeah, and the guy basically secretly was giving away his billion-dollar fortune, which, which grew to be $8 billion, and didn't want anybody to know about it until a lawsuit came up where he had to disclose his charitable donations. Yeah. And he got outed as being, like, the most generous man on the planet and then got Bill Gates and Warren Buffett 
to uh, give away all of their earnings to yes. charities they found worthy. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was an extraordinary article. And if that originated with you, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. I, just, I just did our take mm. on it for uh, Upworthy, the website that I write for. Upworthy.com, people. Uh, let's see here. So, you know, I, I was reading this chapter, and I thought that, you know, a lot of it is when we get into disagreements with people that we don't try to enact revenge or get our pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, often I think that when, uh, you know, I have a, a disagreement with somebody or somebody upsets me or whatever, I often just think that's them just doing their dance, and I just happen to be, like, their dance partner that day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to keep continuing that types of behavior, and so it's my job to figure out how to field it for myself um, and then move on. And not get in the way. Not get in the way. And it also, like, it reminds me of, like, you know, when you let somebody borrow a book, don't ever assume they're going to give you the book. Yeah. If not, don't lend it. <laughs> exactly. You know? I and, found that out the hard way more than once. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, by the way, I want to borrow that book of yours, Inside Elvis, next time. Because <laughs> I can't find a copy, and I'm like, all right, I got to get Dr. Totten's version of it. It's impossible to get these days, I think, right? <laughs> no, you can't find it. And as someone who loves Elvis and loves spirituality, the spirituality of Elvis sounds amazing. <laughs> And if you do find it, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. (laughs) No, seriously. Uh, Another thing was, I was reading uh, Derek Lin, the Taoist uh, teacher's take on this, and he said that in ancient China, kind of when this was written, uh, a lender would give somebody money and they would carve the details into tree bark. Hmm. The left part of the kind of agreement was held by the lender and the right side was given to the borrower hmm. after the the money was paid back then the lender would give him the left side mm-hmm. of the agreement and mm-hmm. then he'd be full right right interesting that's great yeah that's um, great and, and also like this passage isn't just about i don't think not trying to enact your pound of flesh or get something back for somebody or not asking for anything in return. It's also being good on your end and keeping up your end of the bargain. Therefore, the sage keeps his half of the bargain. Yes. That's right. Right there. A man of virtue performs his part. But a person without virtue requires others (laughs) to do their part. That's right. (laughs) The Tao of Heaven is impartial. It stays with good men all the time. Right. See, Lao Tzu is taking the high road, you might say. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he, you know, you're being responsible, and you're leaving it open. You're creating the space through your modeling of the right thing to do, and le- and which therefore creates the space and the example for others to do the right thing. But you don't demand it. And it's also, I think, a chapter about expectations of people. Yes. And often we have expectations of people, and they don't meet those expectations often. But then we still get upset when they don't meet those expectations. Yeah, our expectations are unrequited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, don't we know? <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Todd. Thank you. That's good. Cool.